Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And let us not forget Miss Tammy Trujillo, our Moose Director. What are you working on today? <laughs> well, you know what? There's an app for just about everything. And now there's a new app where you can get the world to confirm what you knew all along. Your pet is cute. Oh, I want to get that app immediately. <laughs> oh, we'll get you that. We'll get you that. Also on the way today, well, we've got a hero who crawls through sewers. And that's why they're my nice. hero. Any, anybody that does that. Yeah, not too many people would do what he does. Crawls through a sewer? Mm-hmm. And doesn't yeah. get paid to do it. You no. know, it's not like a plumber or anything like that. Uh, rescued a chihuahua, a chihuahua. And uh, we'll get all the details in just a couple of minutes oh, wow. right here. As you may or may not know, the pet industry is a $60 billion, with a B, $60 billion a year industry. It is one of the fastest growing sectors around, I believe, like the second or third fastest growing sector. And in fact, if you ever thought about giving up that stupid job, sitting there in a cubicle all day long. Doing be- animal radio? and do No, 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 oh. no, no. Not Sorry. you. I'm, well, this is cool. Oh, we get okay. the animals to be in the office. If the animals are in the office, it's a cool job. But most of us, let's face it, we work in offices that they don't allow dogs. But if you want to work yeah. directly with the animals, we're going to have a lady on today who's put together a website and a company called Fetch Find, and she'll help you find a job wow. in the pet industry. Ooh, so you can quit that stupid cool. job. Yeah. yeah. Gotta love that. But first, your calls for Dr. Debbie or dog father Joey Villani, directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's a free download, so go download it now. Uh, Joey Villani, what are you working on? It's the quarterlies, the quarterly report. Oh, okay, yeah. let's get your pets ready and what to do. Does that mean summer is on the way? Well, spring is on the way, and um, and spring leads into summer, so yes. Usually. It's supposed to work Usually, way, correct. Yeah. Hey, Marty. Hi, how you doing? Pretty good. Where are you today? New York. Well, hi. What kind of baby do you have? You I have a 17-year-old Tonkinese male. Oh, my. Quite up there in those years. And what's going yeah. on? I went away for a week, and I don't know if it was coincidental or not, but when I came back, he lost a lot of weight. I brought him to the vet, and the vet said he had kidney failure. Okay. Basically, he said there was really nothing much you could do. We could put him in a hospital, but, you know, financially speaking, I wasn't able to. And uh, I said I would like to take him home. Okay. okay. Which he was a little surprised. He thought, either, you know, try to hospitalize him or put him down. Anyway, uh, he did blood work, and uh, a week or 10 days later, or actually two days later, I went to another vet, somebody recommended, and they uh, said basically the same thing. Uh, he wasn't eating. He really couldn't even stand on his his legs. And uh, they said hydrate him. I tried hydrating him a couple of days, you know, with the IV, and uh, that lasted about three days. And all of a sudden, he's getting better. I can't hydrate him because he's fighting me. Ah, well, hey. Walking around, he's eating, uh, he's cleaning himself. Uh, they ran blood work on the 28th and on the 11th of September, which I have in front of me. I'm sure, you know, you, you know, it's too much to get into, but the numbers have dropped. And when I brought him back the second time, the vet said that uh, the first time he saw him, he saw bleeding in the retina, which okay. he didn't see 10 days later. And he also said he didn't even see any remnants of it that it looks like the body dissolved it okay just don't know what to make of it 
Okay. Well, you know, the first thing I would say is in a cat of that age, congratulations. You have done a phenomenal job in seeing your kitty into the double digit years. And kidney disease is very common in cats as they get into their senior years. And I can tell you, I lost my own kitty um, as we battled kidney disease at 11 years. And, and we battled it for five years. So sometimes these things seem like they come on all of a sudden, but they actually are slowly progressive and fall into a category of chronic kidney disease. That's so, true. So kind of, you know, we'd have to look at another t- point in time with that lab work, maybe, a, you know, a year or wherever beforehand. But in many cases, this can kind of be leading up. And we know that 75% of those kidneys have to be failing before we can actually see any change on that blood work. So that's a pretty substantial hit to those kidneys if you had some high elevations. So. Right. The big thing right now is, I guess, a lot of it is treat the patient and not the numbers. And I talk about this a lot in that sometimes our patients can cope with very severe chronic disease to a certain extent. And if that's happening, that's great. There may be things you can do to help manage that kidney disease, and diet management is certainly one of them. When we get to a certain point of kidney failure or kidney damage, we do restrict uh, low-protein diets and increase the fat content. And that can kind of help them cope and help keep their body weight up as they're managing through kidney disease. And, you know, you mentioned some changes in appetite, things like that. So there are other medications we use to help treat the stomach upset or the gastritis that they get from kidney kidney disease. So some of those steps might be important to still consider. And unless you've got 100% change on that blood work, I would encourage you to, to talk to your veterinarian about that because there may be other steps we want to do to keep the quality of your kitty's life up. And, uh, you know, like I said, I've been through this with my baby and it's a horrible thing to kind of gradually see that deterioration, the loss in weight, the change in appetite, the vomiting, all of that. So, um, you know, if you can manage at home, I'm all for it. But I really do believe there's a point where we do owe more to our pets than to watch them suffer that horrible passing. So, But did you ever hear of it where... You know, one minute, one day the cat can't even stand on his own legs, and the next uh, week later he's pouncing around the house a little bit. That's such a turnaround. Yeah, you know, with, if there's some clinical improvement, um, that could certainly relate to that. Now, there can also be. Uh acute causes of kidney disease, things like toxins. And, you know, we talked earlier in the show about things like uh, lilies as a type of a plant that can cause kidney failure. So those kind of things, there can be some short-term exposures that may be transient and go away. Um, And in other cases, you're just maybe seeing a little blip in the radar. Um, So I, you know, I'm encouraged from what you're saying, but I think you should also prepare yourself for the reality that, you know, kitty that age with kidney disease, you know, it, it is an up and down battle and there's good days and then there's bad days. Hi, Susan. Hi. How are you today? Pretty good. Where are you calling from? Um, Atlanta, Georgia. Beautiful Atlanta. I have Dr. Debbie right here. What's going on with your pet? Well, um, I have a cat, a Siamese cat, who's always been, she was always a house cat, never let outside. And then we got a new puppy, and we were teaching him how to use the dog door, and she paid attention and started <laughs> using the dog door. So we put up a cat fence at the top of the six-foot fence so she couldn't get out. Um, and now we can't hardly get her to come in. So <laughs> what is she doing outside? Uh, she's just laying in the corner. Um, occasionally, she'll bring in a present, oh, like a, 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 mouse a bird or, or yeah, a mouse or something. But very rarely, um, she comes in to eat in the middle of the night when we're sleeping, and if we go get her. I mean, she'll let me hold her for a while, and she'll purr, and 
everything, but then she takes off and goes outside. And she okay. likes, I have three dogs, and the dogs will go out and she'll rub up against the dogs and everything. And But she's like, doesn't want to be in our lap anymore. And I just don't, I can't understand what's going on. Oh, well, you've introduced her to the great outdoors, and she's having fun. So she's going to the playground, Mom, and she is having a good time meeting up with friends, and she's having a lot of new games that she hasn't seen before. So she's really got a whole new world in front of her. And the fact that she enjoys that and relatively isn't getting into trouble, that that's a good thing. So this is a problem we see when cats are outdoor cats, and we want to make them indoor cats because of a change of people moving or a lifestyle change. You're kind of dealing with the reverse. She was an indoor cat, and you've given her the outdoors, and she's loving it. So the question is, are we trying to make her happy or are you happy? Because if she's liking well, her life now, I no. wouldn't change this. Yeah, I really want her to be happy. I just miss not having her in my lap and, you know, cuddling her and stuff. Yeah. But if you and, think she's happy, then, you know. Yeah, I, no. It sounds like she, if she's not getting into trouble where she's, you know, escaping the yard or getting into, you know, attacks by other dogs, things like that, I, I think it sounds like she's got a very rewarding life and, and a life that, you know, is protected, but yet she's got a lot of freedoms. Um, I would just encourage some general things like parasite control. Make sure we're staying on top of that, especially if she's yeah, doing hunting. Yeah, we've done that. Yeah. Good. We've done that. She did get Good. out once, and we have wild turkeys near our house, <laughs> and a neighbor took a picture of her with this wild turkey going by and she had these big eyes. Um, but we, we fixed the fence and so she didn't, she just like lays by the tree and lays on the ground and soaks up the sun and, you know. Yeah. And there's ways that, you know, you can try to recreate some of these things in the indoor environment with a lot of people get kitty TV, uh, some of the different uh, DVDs that play these things. But, you know, if it's the real thing versus, um, you know, watching it on TV, um, I've got to say it's, it seems much more rewarding for me if she's in a safe, controlled environment um, yeah. you know, to let her enjoy that. And who knows, okay. as she gets older, her some of her behaviors may change and that may not be as appealing to her. Um, and she may kind of revert to being more of an indoor kitty. And, you know, the one thing you can do is certainly anytime there's food involved in the equation, uh, I would, you know, if you want to encourage the indoor experience, any food item should always be offered inside the home where the family members are. And, and that yeah. will be that'll be kind of the thing that brings her home and brings her uh, closer to the family um, so you can get that social time and special time, you know, when kitties well, eat. It's, food, it's all good. Her food, her food is inside, but she comes in in the middle of the night when we're sleeping to eat it. Mm-hmm. She's like a teenager, or, or not a teenager, a college student. She's out uh, gallivanting at night, and then she comes in for to get the munchies. Uh. <laughs> well, I, I think your kitty sounds like she's got a fabulous life there, Susan. So uh, give her a pat on the head for us, and I hope she enjoys her, her turkey TV that <laughs> she has. <laughs> okay. I'd suggest you go outside and spend time with her out in the yard. Yeah, there you, you go. Be with yeah. Get some I've sun. Actually, yeah. I've actually done that a couple of times. Okay. Thank All you right. for your well, call. Thank you so much. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home at the vet. 
and everywhere in between, visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio. How would you like to get a free smartphone? If you own a smartphone, listen to this incredible offer that's almost too good to be true. Right now, you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as $2 a day. Guaranteed for life. Plus, get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline now and we'll move your number from your existing service. Think of your savings. So don't wait. Switch your plan, save money, plus get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline line right now we guarantee you're gonna love our service if you don't like what we say you can hang up on us but you won't right now you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as two dollars a day guaranteed for life call the free smartphone hotline right now 800-475-3351 800-475-3351 that's 800-475-3351 Hi, Joanne Worley on Animal Radio. Hello! And please spay and neuter your pets. Be a responsible pet owner. As a matter of fact, spay and neuter your friends' pets also. Give it to them as a present. What a good idea. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to talk to this lady who's put together a business that connects people that want to work in the pet industry with pet jobs. So if you ever thought about quitting your job and working in the pet industry, I know, Judy, you do a little bit of pet sitting on the side. Uh, you actually kind of pays a bit. Yeah, it's picking pay. up. It pays pretty well, you know. Who would have thought? I know. And I just, you know, walk dogs and pet sit occasionally and uh, it adds up. There are a lot of opportunities in the pet industry out there. And Jamie D'Amato will be our guest in a few minutes with Fetch Fine, and she'll tell us all about it. Jamie McDowell. D'Amato? Oh, uh, D'Amato McDowell. She, she's she's one of those people with oh, three with names. With a hyphenated name. hyphenated name. She's yes. hyphenated. She is yes. hyphenated. That's okay. We we don't mind here if you're hyphenated. You can, <laughs> you can listen if you're hyphenated or not. So, Tammy, what are you working on? I have got one of the most bizarre stories I think I've ever come up with, okay? Uh-oh. It's really cool to share things with our animals, but I have a story of a woman who shares a medical condition, a pacemaker, and a doctor with her dog. That is a bizarre story. Wow. Yeah. Uh You see, Uh in the radio industry, we call that a tease, and (laughs) Uh you're teased, and you're going to stick around as as I know I am just to hear this story. Mm -hmm. How about your calls first? Hi, Stephanie. Hi. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Santa Ana, California. How can we help you today? Um, I'm going to be getting a Pekingese puppy, and I was just wondering, what type of food would you feed it? Because I haven't raised one of those type of dogs before. Okay. What's your experience been in dogs? Um, I've had poodles, and I've had an Afghan, and I've had a Samoy dog. All right. Well, the good thing and the good news is they're very similar with some minor changes for small dogs. Um, Some of the special concerns we might have for small dogs are going to be on the uh, size of the um, kibble and are going to be concerns with uh, hypoglycemia. Um, 
And size of the kibble basically being that a lot of times for the smaller breeds of dogs, we will go uh-huh. to a, the small bite variety of foods. Uh-huh. Um, just a little easier for their little mouths to deal with and not as large to worry about so much of a choking hazard. Uh-huh. The other thing is I mentioned hypoglycemia. And this is more for small breeds or even so much the toy breeds, the really mini breeds. Um, when they're young, we get concerned that if they are not eating on a regular timeline, that they can actually have a very serious drop in their blood sugar. And it's not always caused by something that you're doing wrong. It just can happen in some of these dogs. So um, for small breeds of dogs, and I'd include a Pekingese mix in that, would be to make sure that we are feeding at least three times a day. And any change in appetite, um, anything digestively, we we take that very seriously in these little ones because we just can't let them run that risk of getting hypoglycemic. Uh Um, And then do you know how old the pup is? It was just born like about a month ago. Okay. On so, September 11th. Okay. Fabulous. So we're going to have a young in then. And mm-hmm. a lot of times as you're starting off with the new puppy, you know, if they're six weeks, seven, eight weeks of age, a lot of times I'll even moisten their food um, or give canned food. Um, mm-hmm. Not a huge canned food fan as a long-term thing, but sometimes for pups, just as we're transitioning them and getting them comfortable um, into a dog food, um, we'll do that. My preference is to take a kibble and moisten it with warm water. Um, because then I feel like you're not really even going into that canned food and hopefully you won't have that that fussy picky dog that says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to take dry food now. I only want that smelly canned food stuff, which costs more, Mom. Um, So I just try to avoid it if I can. Um, As far as brands for food, um, my recommendations are to find what your dog likes Stick with major brands um, and those that have good, solid nutritional histories. So um, depends on what did you feed your previous pets? It's been so long ago that I had those. Do- it was like when I was real young. Uh-huh. And I don't remember. Yeah. I remember feeding the Gainsburg, the little Gainsburger. Oh, that's what we fed my dog when I was a kid, and I've learned better since then. Uh-huh. <laughs> the, the semi-moist foods, if we can stick to more of a dry food, um, you'll have more consistent dietary health. So I, I generally, there's a lot of brands that I'm fans of. I have folks that feed um, Science Diet, IAMS, um, the Nutro. Just, I would say, look for the small bite varieties and, uh-huh. um, and then keep that in mind as far as the frequency of feedings that you'd want to go to. Um, but, yeah, I'm not really big into, like, you know, having a single preference on foods. I, I mm-hmm. very much like to adapt it to the individual pet and to their health conditions if there's anything going on there. And then when, how many months should they be before you get a, get a female spayed? Okay, yeah. Um, most cases we will spay at six months of age. Um, in some areas of the country, they may have, in, like in Las Vegas here, we have an early spay-neuter law. So by f- between four to six months is typically where they'll require that to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, as a puppy, though, you're going to have some other things before then to address. We start mm-hmm. vaccinations at six weeks in puppies. Mm-hmm. Vaccinating, deworming, and checking those poop samples for parasites for their protection as well as yours. And mm-hmm. then we'll usually do that um, until they're about four months of age. So you'll have generally monthly visits there um, through the puppyhood time. Mm-hmm. So a lot of good stuff to cover and go yeah. over. And I know, I know. Yeah. And 
And all the, and the the puppy training and the potty training. Oh, my goodness. We could just talk for hours here, couldn't we? <laughs> I know. I know. Stephanie, I have some uh, food samples for you to try. We'll send out your way if you hold on for a second and we'll get your information. Thanks for your call. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Doug Gray of the Marshall Tucker Band, and forever you'll always be listening to Animal Radio. Keep loving those pets. Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process, cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book. Biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book. No matter what genre, Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks. We do all of this for you. Call today for your free writer's guide packed with tips, tricks, and templates to help you finish what you started. 800-215-6815. That's 800-215-6815. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. This is an Animal Radio News Update. This is an incredible story out of England. About three years ago, a woman, Catherine Peapon, was diagnosed with a condition known as heart block, so the heart can miss a beat. Doctors inserted a cardiovascular device known as a Medtronic pacemaker. Recently, her five-year-old Karen Terrier, Molly, was diagnosed with the same condition. Catherine spent over $5,000 to fly the dog to London on a private plane to get a pacemaker installed at the Royal Veterinary College. The pacemakers are nearly identical, and their conditions are so similar that Catherine and Molly share the same doctor at Jersey General Hospital. Molly goes in after hours so other patients don't get upset that a dog is being seen at a people hospital. Well, I personally have yet to see an animal that I don't think is cute. Sometimes in their own way, but cute just the same. Well, now there's an app for that. You can let the world confirm that your pet is cute or not. It's called cute or not. You upload a picture of your pet, cat, dog, or in the other category, and other people will then rate your pet cute or not. And you can rate other people's pets too. Check out trending photos and also share your posted pics to Facebook, Pinterest, or Twitter. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, this is Carrie Annie Napa from Dance with the Stars. Don't forget to stay new to your animals, and you're listening to Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. When we go to Vel, is it Vel? Uh, yes, Vel's here. How can we help you? Uh, yes, um, I have a problem with one, uh, with one of my cats. Uh, I have two cats. One of them is three years old, uh, and approximately in the seven or eight months after that, we got another cat. Uh, we adopted the, the, the other one. And uh, since then, this, uh, we, when we brought the other cat, it, it was a confrontation and still on. Okay, but okay, recently... You didn't, brought, well, you didn't mention what kind of kitty. Is male or female is the second one? Yeah, uh, the and second one is the male. It's the male, and it's a uh, Siamese. 
but uh, we, ad we adopt uh, we adopt him in a, uh, one of the pet shops, and okay. uh, so confrontation is still on. But recently, approximately maybe half of a year ago, the female cat, her name is Katya, and she started to uh, pee uh, or on on the, uh, my clothes sometimes the, in a corner, and it's getting worse and worse and. I realize that there is a possibility maybe she's jealous or something, but I, and I'll try to pay more attention to her to give her more treats or to spend more time with her, like to play with her. But it doesn't get doesn't get better, and um, okay. I don't know what to do because sometimes you can you came home home in the evening, and I, I feel smell and I start to looking around and I think and I found out another spot, you know, and okay. usually she marks she marks. Uh, my clothes or the uh, place I see, like in the office, or once she just sneak to the bedroom and she uh, pee on my uh, on my part of the bed. Okay, and so does the male cat have any kind of behavioral problems? Is he doing anything abnormal out of the litter box? Not at all, not at all. And he's very he's very adorable. He's uh, he's not aggressive like a friend of mine uh, told me that uh, sometimes Siamese are aggressive and. Uh, they, they didn't come along. Uh, didn't get along with with other uh, with other animals. But he's very adorable. He's very friendly. Never okay. had a problem with him. And he's yeah. Okay. And then uh, tell me about the cat's environment. Do these kitties go inside, or do they go outside, or are they indoor only? They're only indoor. Okay. And uh, what kind of uh, litter box situation do you have for these kids? It's a, it's a one big one. It's the one plastic uh, extra large. Okay. Is there a cover on top of it, or is it a, a, an open one? It is cover. It is. Okay. Yeah, All right. Well, let's... Sorry, uh, I'm sorry if I can interrupt you. Uh, I mentioned the situation in uh, Petco, and they recommend me to uh, to get another box. I, I haven't purchased another box because I have a limited space in my place. So I put, okay. I put, I put like a box, just a simple box, and it put a little, a little there. It didn't work. Okay. And how do the two kitties get along? She's do they good. fight? Are they pretty playful? Do you have problems where they'll hiss at each other? Yeah, sometimes we, they play, but this play, uh, th this game uh, become aggressive from uh, my female cat. She um, she let him play. She, she let him play with her for for a short period of time. Then then, this, then she start to play aggressively. Like she she's basically attacking him. Okay. All attacking. right. Cause all right, well, let's get to the bottom of this here, Val. Um, and I'm going to have to agree, first and foremost, with the Petco um, recommendation. When we have two cats in the household and one litter pan, there's always kind of a, a, um, an unconscious, quiet strife, uh, kind of a fight that, that cats can have over that resource. And, and that may not be a problem in the average cat household. But if there is a little inter-cat interpersonal problem, then we're going to see a problem manifested. And very commonly, it'll be in house soiling accidents. So before we go down that whole behavior road, I guess I should back up and say, anytime I have a cat that is urinating out of the litter box, I always, always, always want to get a veterinary examination and at the very minimum, get a urine sample. And I know a lot of people say, oh, I know it's behavioral. We don't, and there's such an overlap between medical problems and behavioral problems that in many cases they blur, and um, we just can't 
confidently say in those situations, oh, it's just a behavioral problem. Don't, don't worry about going to the vet. You don't need to. Um, so that's my first uh, therapy for you is to see the veterinarian, have her urine checked out. We know that there's a lot of possibilities for intercat aggression. So if a cat has a lower urinary tract problem, they can be more aggressive with other cats. If they have arthritis, they have thyroid problems, they may have heightened aggression towards other animals and other behavioral problems in the home. So let's make sure that kitty is in sound health. So once that is done, and I'm going to hope that's all good, then we're going to work on the resources in the home. And the litter box is the first resource that we've mentioned. We want to add that second box, as painful as it is in your your household situation. We need to make sure we get another um, litter box. The other recommendation I'm going to have is to take that lid off that litter box and put it away because many cats find that too oppressive to have that over top of them. And especially if we're worried about another cat that's competing for that resource, that can be a problem. So take the lid away, add that second box, make sure it's it's a solid litter box that's not going to shake under their footing. And then we talk about maybe trying different litter substrates, different litter surfaces. Every cat's a little different. Some really enjoy um, the types of the corn cob litters. Others like the clumping litter. So you have to kind of experiment with that a little bit. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hello, everyone. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List. Five things we do to give pets complexes. Help, my pet has attitude. What's the deal and why the pet complex? Well, that may be something that we've caused by what we're doing. If your dog or cat is giving you attitude and you can't figure out why, let me help you with a few common things that I think our four-legged friends wish we'd think of before acting upon. Number one, pet strollers. That's right, we've all seen the latest in high-tech and low-tech strollers for our four-legged friends. You know, nature bestowed them with four legs so that they could eh, ride comfortably in a wheeled contraption meant for those who can't walk or haven't yet learned to walk. Hey, I admit it, it's certainly cute and sometimes it's medically necessary. But let's make sure they're getting plenty of exercise. Remember, we do have a pet obesity crisis. Number two, clothing for pets. I know I'm the photographer, and I am certainly guilty of loving a pet in a cute outfit, and I can appreciate the work of pet fashion professionals. However, unless it's a need, and I'm thinking of you short-haired pets in the winter, sweaters, clothing, and costumes can be very uncomfortable and even cause overheating issues for our pets. Never force a pet to wear an outfit, a hat, or even a wig. They've got their own fashion sense, and we want them to be able to roll with pride at the local dog park. Number three, Snuggies for pets. That's right, it's a separate category because while pets have a natural nesting instinct, you don't see them trying on sweaters or blankets at the local flea markets. I went there. Dogs and cats enjoy warmth, but enjoy freedom more. I look ridiculous in a human Snuggie, and dogs might just send me a fragrant message if I wrap them in a dog Snuggie. Being wrapped up as a baby or when scared can give them comfort, but wearing a blanket around if you're not a Charles Schultz character can get you laughed at during a dog park visit. Number four, pet shoes and socks. Again, if you're a rescue dog climbing over dangerous debris, by all means, get some safety footwear in place. If you're a senior who slips on tile floors, it makes sense to have socks and shoes for your paws. But if you're a dog or cat being forced to wear shoes or socks to be fashionable, remind your pet parents that you sweat and regulate your body temperature through the pads of your paws. 
prolonged covering can be harmful. In pet bling, pets are more blingy than ever. From necklaces to toenails to tiaras, I can appreciate showering your pets with love, but keep in mind that these shiny objects look more like toys and distractions than fashion statements for your pets. Ah, heck, now I know why my pets have so many complexes. I'm putting down the Snuggie right now. Remember, your pet trusts you and wants you to be happy. Make sure you're giving them the same consideration. Share your pet complexes with us on our Animal Radio Facebook page. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143-800-689-0143-800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Did you track him down? I did. I did my sleuth work and I found him. I'm pretty good. I should work for like the FBI or something or for a private investigator because I can track these people. I'll find you. If I want to find you, I'll find you. Yeah. You don't want uh, you don't want Judy showing up on your doorstep on a Sunday morning. It's like the sixty minutes. NCIS, Judy. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we uh, we finally tracked down Dusty Showers. Hey, Dusty, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. We're calling you because you're our hero this week here at Animal Radio, and uh, you have a, a a little business called Creepy Creatures Pest and Wildlife. What do you do over there, anyway? Yeah, that's actually why I'm sometimes hard to track down. Uh, I find humane ways to deal with uh, what's normally called nuisance wildlife. Oh. So, raccoons, rats, bats, bees, possums, skunks, squirrels, monkeys, uh, whatever type of animal finds themselves in a, a place where they don't really belong. I come in and, and figure out how to get them out of there and get them to where they belong. Did you say monkeys? <laughs> uh, yeah, not not a whole lot of them, but we are in Florida, and, and occasionally a monkey breaks loose. <laughs> okay, I guess so in Florida. You know, they're cockroaches. They're, they're the size of Buicks, and those are the uh, kind of pests that I assume you deal with more. Well, I, I do some pest control just because it's really simple work, and it helps pay the bills, but... Uh, but I'm a trapper by nature, and it's a humane trapper. So I learned, um, I, I failed out of college. I was playing soccer and on a scholarship, and I was collecting pythons and breeding them. And then I found a job up in the Chicago area as a humane wildlife trapper. And I, I did it as a summer job, and I fell in love with it and said, I, I'm never going back to college this is what i'm going to do forever and it's actually a large niche business a majority of my work is dealing with animals that get into attics so raccoons possums bats Um, and if you do it well enough it it can be a profitable business 
Um, it, it used to be for me, and now I do it more because I love it and it helps pay for my other passions, which are uh, rescuing dogs, and then I have a breast cancer foundation as well. I wanted to talk about the chihuahua that you, I guess, were called in to, to get. I guess this chihuahua was stuck in a sewer. Describe the situation. Set the scene. Yeah, he, I just saw old man Jenkins yesterday, and he's still doing well. Typically what happens is is a thread will start going crazy on Facebook, and, and there'll be a dog that someone says needs to be rescued. And I'm typically the last resort, so when, when no one else can or will go out and, and do something, then I get involved. So in this case, it was a dog that they said was in the sewer, and somebody swore they, they absolutely knew 100% that it was in the sewer, but they also wanted to remain, remain anonymous for some reason. So, How did he get uh, in the sewer? Well, we're pretty sure that he was dumped in there because he was wow. a blind chihuahua that just walks in the Terrible. And the people in the neighborhood said that they don't know the dog, and they knew all the dogs in the neighborhood. And, you know, logically, this dog could not have found himself in that position unless he was dumped there. So, so my theory is that you know, it was a lady's dog, and it was getting old, and her grandson said, give me $100, I'll take it to the vet to have it euthanized, and he took the money and dumped the dog. You know, but I pretty much went on, on this one person saying that her friend knew that there was a dog there, and the city went out, and first they said that they went out and nobody could find the dog, and then they said, well, if it's in there, it's going to, it'll just drown, and we can't do anything, and then we got out there, and it turned out it was a vacant lot, so drove almost an hour and a half to find a vacant lot with nobody that could tell us anything. So we called the city again, and they said our guy went out there, and he went all through the sewers and, and just kind of gave us a story. So we were about to give up. It was my daughter and, and my friend Chrissy and I, and uh, after over an hour of walking around trying to figure it out, I finally found an old manhole cover that had not been opened in years and dug up the grass, opened it up, and just decided to go one way. And out of the darkness, about 75 yards in, I saw Old Man Jenkins sitting there. Old Man That's Jenkins. Great. That's a great story. Yeah. Now, Old Man Jenkins is the, is the name of the dog, right? Yeah. Typically, when we rescue these dogs, we name them, <laughs> you know, related to something with the rescue. And he was right off of George Jenkins Boulevard, which okay. I did not know at the time, but that's the uh, founder of Publix, which is our grocery stores around here. Well, that's a great story. Uh, that there really baby, is. He was lucky to. For you to find him. That's my favorite one so far. It is. Yeah. This is a great hero, and we wish we could all give you a hug right now for uh, the, the hard work that you're doing. And uh, just briefly, before we let you go, you drove your bike across the country in a pink bra. What was that about? Yeah, I have an organization called The Second Basement, and we fight breast cancer in unusual ways, and we provide direct financial support to women with breast cancer. So we were low on money, and we needed people that needed help. So my my co-founder said, what are you going to do, Dusty? And I've done Red Bull events and swam in Alligator Alley and everything in a pink bra. I was on Oprah in a pink bra. <laughs> So I said, you know, not knowing how far California was, I said, why don't I just ride my bike to California? <laughs> I had no idea. So I um, didn't realize all the desert that was between here and there either. But it, it was a great trip, and, and we raised some, some much-needed money. And we're working on a reality show now having to do with the breast cancer stuff and the dog rescues and the wildlife rescues. So as far as the, the dog rescue go, I, I really do that. I, I'm kind of part of the what we call the underground rescue, so I, I don't do it as, a, as an official thing. I work with other local rescues, and the rescues do get expensive. And a lot of drive time and a lot of hours coordinating the dogs. And uh, the last dog that I, I rescued wandered onto the property of one of a former Tampa Bay Buccaneer player. And so we're working on finding a home for that guy. And uh, for, not for not, not for the uh, football player. The dog. <laughs> 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 so um, yeah, a million for charity is a great 
uh, website that we're working on that they can check out. We'll put links to it over at uh, AnimalRadio.com. What's this uh, YouTube? What am I going to find at this YouTube link that I see here on this sheet? Do You're you... going to see the video of the rescue. The video of the rescue. Oh. There's actual video of the rescue. Of Old Man Jenkins. Oh, oh wow. it's Old Man Jenkins. Yeah, that, yes. that video's gone through play. On the YouTube channel, there's some other ones recently. I got some ducklings out of a out of a drain uh, sewer. That that was actually a tough one. I had to crawl through in the water and with my GoPro camera on. And uh, we've got a few other rescues in there. Well, Dusty, thank you so much for spending time with us and being our hero of the week and doing such amazing, wonderful things for the animals. Hey, it's my pleasure, and I can't do it alone. So I, I always have lots of help, and thanks to you guys for all you're doing. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido-friendly magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Well, hey, hey, welcome. On today's show, we're going to talk to a lady who connects people that want jobs in the pet field with jobs in the pet field. So if you're thinking, it's time to give up this crappy job I have and get into the pet field because it is a $60 billion a year sector. There is so much money in this uh, sector now that there's a lot of opportunities job-wise. And she puts you in touch with people that uh, have jobs that may not be just like dog walking. It could be like working at Petco as a marketing person. It could be, I mean, there's a lot of intriguing jobs. And she'll share with us in just a few minutes what that's all about. Let's see, uh, we have a call for... Dogfather Joey Volani, we go to line four, and we have Mike. Hey, Mike, how are you doing? I am great. How are you guys today? Good. What's going on? Well, uh, about once a year or so, the wife and I tend to lose control of our Himalayan Blue Point cat's hair. It gets a little bit clumpy, and we end up having to go and get a lion's cut for it, trim it all the way down to the to the beginning again. But um, it's close to that time now, and we're wondering if there's anything but the master knows that we can do to try and unclump some of the clumps that we might be able to save having to trim them down. We'd rather leave him, you know, the way he's supposed to be, although he's very cute the other way. Well, Mike, this is what you got to do, okay? Number one, depending on how bad it is and how tolerable your kitty is, um, it's really he's going to determine it. First thing you want to do is is go in with a comb and just take the edge of the comb and lightly go underneath the matting and you're going to work it out little by little by little, okay? Just taking out small pieces. So it's almost as if you're going underneath the knot, and it's going to be, hmm, the best way to explain it is, is let's say I was carving something out with it with a knife, and I'm just doing it little by little. Well, you're going to do that with the back of the comb. And cat fur actually doesn't hold like dog hair. It's going to pull out a lot easier. And what you'll do is you'll work it out until that mat basically comes off. Now, unfortunately, it's probably going to leave a little bit of a hole, but it looks a hell of a lot better than doing a whole lion cut because usually once you start breaking it up, it comes out easy, and then it'll just release where most of the hair should stay, but some of it's going to come, come, come away. 
as you're doing this, you may want to spray the cat with a detangling spray that you can buy in any pet shop, okay? okay. Smart Petco. That's made specifically for cats. Now, what that's going to help do, it's going to help moisturize a little bit help remove the, the, the fur a little bit more okay. and, and work it out little by little. It's definitely a two-person process because if your cat doesn't like it, they're going to let you know. But you don't want yeah. that to be... <laughs> You don't want that to be a situation where, you know what, they're taking you to the hospital because cat bites can, can really do that. So you want someone to hold the cat by the scruff of the neck, which is extremely important. If the cat is, you know, just doesn't like it, you know what, leave it to the professional because also you don't want it. You don't want to hurt the cat. But I find that better than any brush, any type of miracle spray. Use the back of that comb, get underneath that, that mat, and work it out little by little. And that's the best advice I can give you for that. Actually, that's great advice. I haven't tried that, and I'm at a pet store right now where I can buy some detangling stuff, so that's pretty convenient and good timing as well. Um, is there Make any case sure. I could ask you also about dander on uh, a long-haired cat? Is that, that spray going to mention like help condition it some? Is that the right thing to be there, too? Well, the conditioning spray would work. It depends on how severe. Sometimes it's a dietary problem. Other times it depends on the heat in your house. If you have forced hot air heat, a lot of times that will bring on dander, and that spray will work wonderful. Um, if it's not an arid type of, 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 of you know area, whether it be in your house or outside, then it's probably dietary, and then you may want to you know try different foods or, or supplements in, in your kitty's food. Okay. Well, that's... Awesome. I'm so glad that uh, I got a chance to call in today. Well, thanks, Make Mike. sure, though, that the spray is made yeah. for cats. That's extremely made important. I can do that. Thanks for your call today, Mike. We appreciate right. it. Hey, Chuck, how you doing? Good. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you calling from today? Fresno, California. Oh, listening on Kino, K-Y-N-O. Correct. Great station. can hear that all over Central California now, 50,000 watts. Yes. I have Dr. Debbie here. What's going on with your pet? Um, uh, milky Eyes. Uh, Milky it, eyes. Yeah, came on uh, like Thursday. Noticed it Thursday evening. By uh, uh, Friday morning, they were just totally clouded over. I mean, just white milk. In the in the interim, the dog went to the vet um, Friday morning after those eyes were just totally clouded over, just just milky white. Antibiotics okay. were prescribed, and then by Sunday night, it's about eighty five percent cleared. They did blood tests. But nobody could tell us yet why it would come on so quickly. Mm, okay, yeah. Now, as far as, does your pet have vision right now? Are we kind yes. of seeing anything? Yes. We are. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Very good. Now, there are, now I'm assuming the vet, did they check any kind of eye test as far as like checking uh, for glaucoma, any kind of s sampling on the eye itself? I don't think so. They, they, they did a test, or they, they were able to tell that he could still, that she could still see. Mm -hmm. uh, they did some blood tests, and then, like, later today or tomorrow, should get the results back. But they didn't know what would bring it on so quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's, a, you know, the dog's well taken care of. The only thing that, that we can figure is a cat has been introduced into, into the environment. But it was a baby cat and had all its shots and, and you know, was kept indoors and all that. So I don't see how that can... You know. Yeah. Now, I guess the big thing for when I hear a story like this where all of a sudden a pet's, and this is both eyes, correct? Yes. Both yeah, eyes like turn. Okay. Both eyes turn white. And this is probably the front of the eye that's turning white. So we're not really talking about a cataract. Am I correct? Well, it's the whole eye. The I whole mean, eyeball. totally okay. the whole eye is covered. Almost okay. like it so was 
set up for a movie set. I mean, okay, so that's telling me the cornea is turning white, which is the outer clear globe of the eye. So yes, there are some causes of that that can definitely come on all of a sudden out of the blue. Sometimes they're triggered by things like infections, and I'm thrilled to hear that they are checking for things um, on blood work. Okay. There sometimes can be some weird things that can happen uh, that can cause uh, this, such as fungal infections, uh, rickettsial, which are types of bacteria that can cause this type of change. Now, there are some dogs that actually can have just suddenly developed disease in their cornea, and uh, they basically have what we call endothelial dystrophy. And uh, some of the common breeds that do that, Boston Terriers, Dachshunds, and uh, Chihuahuas are some of the most common breeds. This this Um, is a Chihuahua cross, about a 20-pound dog, but it has Chihuahua in it. Okay, so that's a possibility. When we're talking about this endothelial degeneration, it's kind of a genetic thing that they develop, and in many cases, um, it is something that doesn't see such quick improvement within just a few days. So I'm a little suspicious, maybe it isn't that, um, but it would be something that's on my list of concerns. In pets that have that condition, it's usually a lifelong um, treatment, really struggling to try to keep those ears clear, or their eyes clear, yeah. keep them seeing, and using different types of medicine to try to keep that keep the eyes open. So um, I guess I'm hopeful they might find something in that lab work, since okay. the antibiotics seem to have helped, um, and uh, maybe that might be the direction that we really need to kind of look and keep people continuing uh because yeah something like a scratch on the eye yes it can cause the eye to turn white but we'd really be looking at some severe changes in both eyes to have that happen all of a sudden like that okay very strange so because the concern now is um is there anything that you know in the environment or um you know that that can be prevented or was just or, or was this just something that was unpreventable and just one of those things and this is a dog that really has never had any health problems per se I mean, just just a no problem, you know, a cross or a you know crossbreed dog, mm-hmm. uh, hybrid yeah. vigor, whatever, no problem. <laughs> so it's kind of caught, yeah. caught by surprise. Yeah, definitely. And you know, you, you hit up on that. You know, mixed breeds definitely. We see that they they are a little bit more sturdy when it comes to some of these breed related problems. But you know, and, and it's a great question. I don't know um, okay. whether there is something in the environment. Um, we could always do a little bit more looking inside the eye. Um, so if your vet has the capability to check things like the pressure in the eye, that would be really re- rewarding. Um, that helps us to check for things like glaucoma, which can also cause some cloudiness in the eye, pain, some pressure issues. So um, you might look in those directions and make sure we don't have any ulcers or anything like that. Um, but if they've exhausted those uh, possibilities and that's where you're heading, it sounds like uh, you're, you're doing everything you can at this point. Cross your fingers and, yep. and, and hope we get improvement there. Okay. Chuck, we wish you the best of luck with that. Please keep us posted. Let us know what uh, what happens there. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Channel Cable, see if this sounds familiar. When you first see him, he gets all excited and jumps up. Yes. He's such a big dog. When he jumps on me, it's when I get out of the car. So this is a common problem we've talked about many times before. When a dog does this, when a dog jumps on you, he's totally disrespecting you and your space. So you have to teach your dog that you're in charge. Your dog has to learn to respect you and your space. So but how do you get him to, like, is it a command? That's part of it, but commands don't work until a dog respects you. Other things that are an important part of it is walking your dog every day so that he's by your side on a leash, teaching him to enter the house after you, teaching him to leave the house after you, teaching him you're in charge of the toys and
and the food and space. Basically teaching them rules and structure. And when you teach your dog these things, you assume a leadership role. So one of the most important things to learn, and we talk about this all the time, is how to give your dog a correction and when to give your dog a correction. Words don't mean much to dogs. They understand touch. And that doesn't mean you're hitting your dog. You never do that. So what am I to Jacoby? Rick's the pack leader. What am I? You're under him. He thinks he's my pack leader? Well, he thinks he's higher than you in the pack. Yes. So is it too late with Jacoby? No, it's never too late. The dog's so dang strong and big. Jacoby, the biggest thing that bugs the heck out of me is he jumps. You love him a lot, though, don't you? Well, I do love I love that dog. Oh, gosh. See, and that's what's getting in your way. And he's so big. Like, when he gets excited, he jumps. It's such a stress. You know, when people come over, it's like I put the dogs in the garage because I don't want them jumping. Well, it's time to take control. All right. No, I'm going to try this. Okay. I, although I say this every time, and then I lose. You feel sorry for him, and you want to show him love. I don't want him to jump on me anymore. That's becoming a problem. I'll give you a tip. The time to pet him, when he's laying perfectly still on his blanket, you say, good dog. Pet him. If he starts getting excited, get up and walk away. He's going to figure out that, oh, okay, she wants me to lay here calm. And as soon as he does, that's when you pet him, and that's when you go, good dog, and you give him a treat. No parade, just good dog. And then you walk away. All right. Get more tips at AnimalRadio.com. Thanks for the tips. I'm going to try them. How would you like to get a free smartphone? If you own a smartphone, listen to this incredible offer that's almost too good to be true. Right now, you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as $2 a day. Guaranteed for life. Plus, get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline now and we'll move your number from your existing service. Think of your savings. So don't wait. Switch your plan, save money, plus get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline line right now we guarantee you're gonna love our service if you don't like what we say you can hang up on us but you won't right now you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as two dollars a day guaranteed for life call the free smartphone hotline right now 800-475-3351 800-475-3351 that's 800-475-3351 Hi everybody, this is Deborah Wilson from Mad TV, and you're listening to Animal Radio. And as my friends would say, You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Uh, let's see, uh, Tammy, what are you working on this hour? Okay, I'm going to do an imitation here, all right? My very best <laughs> okay. imitation. I want you to see if you can get it, all okay. right? Okay. Here goes. What pet should I get? The one you love best, I bet. Uh, what do you think? Come on, Hal. Think back to your childhood. Yes. Oh, well, Dr. Seuss, of course. Green eggs and ham. Yeah. Yes, green Sam eggs I am. and ham. Yeah, he's passed, hasn't uh, he? Exactly. He, he, a long time ago, about 25 years he's been gone, but a brand new Dr. Seuss book is coming out, and it's all about pets. How does that happen? Is he writing from the great beyond? <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you. you got to stick around here. Okay, that's on the way. How about we hit the phones for your calls right now for Joey or for Dr. Debbie? Hey, Larry. Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Thank you, my call. I have uh, Dr. Debbie right here to help you. What's going on with your animal? Well, uh, how you doing, doctor? I'm doing pretty good. How are you this fine day? Oh, it's a great day, I'll tell you, to work outside. Uh. <laughs> uh, what it is, I've got a, I believe it's a half Labrador and half great uh, Pyrenees. Okay, yeah. And I'm having trouble with his ears, getting bacteria in it. 
Okay. And I and I took him to the vet, and uh, he gave me some antibiotics mixed with the saline solution, and I put that in there, and it seemed to help. But uh, I don't want it to reoccur. Occur. And someone was telling me about the dog food might have something mm-hmm. to do with. Yeah. Now, is this the first time he's had an ear problem, or has he had before? Well, this has been kind of a lingering thing for the last three or four months. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, I, first time I took him to the vet doc, uh, gave me some ointment. Well, it seemed to help then, and he came back with it again, so I took him back. She mixed up this solution I was telling you about. Oh, Okay. Well, definitely. For, for pets that have more chronic problems with ear infections, there's there's definitely some different strategies that I try to pull out because it's not the situation where we have just that simple ear infection we can treat with an ointment and, uh, you know, within two weeks then we're okay. So if you're having more ongoing problems, I kind of look at three main areas where we fail with chronic ear infections when they keep coming back for some reason. And number one is sometimes we treat too conservatively. So, um, um, for many dogs, uh, the instinct is we want to put things in their ear and rinse out their ears, and many dogs need to have a deep anesthetic cleaning on their ears, especially if there's a lot of garbage in there. Um, and I, I feel that the reluctance to do this deep ear cleaning can really jeopardize the success of you know, how well we can get these ears to turn around. So that might be something to ask your vet. Hey, do we need to knock my baby out and clean out any kind of garbage deep down in that ear canal? Um, that can lead to damage to the eardrums and make ear treatment much harder and uh, the way that dog ears are, are shaped it's very different than what we have in people you can kind of almost poke your eardrum if you stick a q-tip in it in your ear dogs have a turn to their ear canal and it's definitely more like an l shape so you can't really see the eardrum nor reach it by just sticking a q-tip in so there's a lot of nooks and crannies down there that you really get to be a problem the second place where i see that we have problems with ear infections where they don't respond where we like to is that we tend to stop them before the treatment's totally complete and it may not be the case for what you're dealing with there but for many folks sometimes the ears look better on the outside and we say okay great they're done Um, but really we want to make sure that that vet puts that scope inside the ear and make sure that we're our ear infection is clear deep down because if you only treat as long as it looks like that ear is uh, red or has infection, we can really miss that deep infection. So that, that's definitely the most important second point. Third would be those other underlying problems that contribute to ear infections. And when you mention diet, yes, that can play a role. And that's one of many things that can cause chronic ear infections. Um, so food allergies is an, an actual uh, common cause of recurrent ear infections. And that may be to common everyday foods or uh, ingredients. So it's not necessarily a food that you're feeding is bad, but your pet may not be able to tolerate that. And it could lead to the itch response, the inflammation in the ears. So that would be something. So I'd, I'd certainly talk to your vet about a hypoallergenic diet and what they might recommend along those lines. But there's there's certainly many things we'll get into. Um, okay. Other things, I, I'll find that we don't always culture the ear. And that's, um, you know, a very important thing. We want to look under the microscope and we want to culture these chronic ears because we can breed very resistant uh, bacterial organisms. Um, and when you say your vet kind of made up the special liquid stuff, I'm a little worried that that's partly what they're concerned about is that maybe we've got some of these bad bugs that are growing in that ear. Um, uh. And if we haven't yet taken a sample of that and cultured that, I would certainly do that to make sure we're heading down the road, right, uh, right road at that way. Um, uh, so, so that would that. be very important. 
uh, they did a culture on it, and that's when they good. And that's that's probably that why started. she picked that choice. Uh, well, he now, was on a, a beef type ration, and I've switched uh, switched him over to something with not any beef at all, and I was going to try to see if that would might help a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of starting at the basics. Sometimes we'll go to more exotic um, allergy control diets, things that are made out of things like, um, you know, venison, um, yeah. venison potato-based diets or duck potato-based diets, things along those lines where it's kind of unusual foodstuffs that our pets aren't already exposed to in the general market. Um, so those might be some other avenues you can go. And you know what? If you say your dog's part Labrador, i got to recommend to consider the possibility of a thyroid problem. Many dogs, also with chronic ear problems, can actually have a hormone problem, the thyroid disease. So that might be something to raise that uh, question mark to your vet as well and and see if any of that's going on. Because I have a lab myself, and boy, they're a great dog, but man, they got a lot of problems you got to be on the watch for. Doctor, how do they check for that? Just take some blood and tell them you want a thyroid? Absolutely. It's a quick, easy test. You just have them draw some blood, and they'll... You have to send it out to a lab, but yeah, I would certainly say it's worthwhile. Um, so, thank you for your call, Larry. It's a pleasure to talk to you, and good luck with those things. Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process, cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book. Biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book. No matter what genre, Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks. We do all of this for you. Call today for your free writer's guide packed with tips, tricks, and templates to help you finish what you started. 800-215-6815-800-215-6815-800-215-6815. That's 800-215-6815. This is an Animal Radio News Update. Tammy Trujillo. The Lab has the lock on being the most popular breed of dog in the United States. For the 24th straight year, Labrador Retrievers nailed the top spot in the American Kennel Club's list of most popular breeds in the nation. Rankings are based on the number of dogs registered with the AKC. German Shepherds came in number two, followed by Golden Retrievers in third, Bulldogs, Beagles, Yorkshire Terriers, Poodles are in seventh place, then Boxers, French Bulldogs finally got into the top ten, and rounding out the top ten favorite breeds, the Rottweiler. The Wildlife Sanctuary Animal Ark in Reno, Nevada is dealing with a mystery. A few weeks ago, a three-year-old wolf named Maddie and the 21-and-a-half-year-old tiger named Sharir Khan died. The sanctuary thought maybe the meat the animals were fed that day was bad. Now, now toxicology tests are back, and they reveal two types of barbiturates commonly used in euthanasia and are not kept at the sanctuary. The food and water tested so far has come back negative for the drugs. Now, there is some good news here. Jamar the cheetah, who was also poisoned, has made a full recovery thanks to around-the-clock care by sanctuary staff and veterinarians. Animal Ark is home to cheetahs, bears, wolves, birds, and many other animals who cannot be returned to the wild. Well, what pet should I get? The one you love the best, I bet. Well, that's my imitation of Dr. Seuss. But pretty soon we'll be able to read the real words by the man himself. Random House Children's Books will publish a just-found Dr. Seuss book called What Pet Should I Get? 
It's thought that Dr. Seuss or Theodore Geisel, as is really called, wrote oh, it sometime. Oh no, the that's he has a real name. It's not Dr. Seuss. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm he so does. Oh, that, you know that just that ruined it. Yes, it. We'll never speak of it again. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> it's thought that Dr. Seuss wrote this book sometime between 1958 and 62. The full text and illustrations were found by his widow Audrey and his longtime secretary Claudia as they were cleaning out his home office space recently. Dr. Seuss, of course, passed away in 1991. Audrey says she's not really that surprised that they're still finding new stories because her husband was constantly writing and drawing and coming up with ideas for new books and often worked on multiple ones at the same time. But this is so cool. Look for Dr. Seuss's What Pet Should I Get? I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Judy, can you get that book for me, please? I want one, too. I I think everybody's got to have one. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Great legislation comes out of Matt. Uh, Oh, sorry, I can't tell you. It's a tease. Comes out of one of those M states. (laughs) Banning debarking surgery. I am delighted about this. Something that should have been done years ago. Does anybody ever ask you to debark an animal? You know, they do. And, you know, I, I agree with you on a point with debarking. It has, it, it can be a horrible thing, and a lot of people use it for the wrong reasons for these uh, drug dogs and the protection dogs but i have had situations where a dog is about to have someone evicted from their home or from their living environment and we've exhausted all other avenues so there is that occasional situation where um, it may have a discussion merit yeah you're always you don't like government's hand in making these decisions i know that i don't you know and i never thought i was that way when i was younger but now i'm like to be this rebel (laughs) as i'm getting older Ah, well, you know what? I understand that uh, you have a birthday coming up. and mm, Speaking of getting older, yes. <laughs> you're actually celebrating the uh, your 29th uh, birthday. Oh, thank, thank you so much. So I actually, appreciate it. And uh, yes. I have a special gift for you. I, I acquired a uh, kitten over here, and I figured it might be a clinic cat you can bring into the clinic and, and oh. let hang out at the, the clinic oh, there. No. Like a mascot I'm, or something yeah. like that. Have I told you my uh, clinic cat uh, issue here? What, you don't like Uh-oh. clinic cats? You don't have a, a cat in your okay. clinic? Or? Let me rant a moment okay. here. No, I do not have clinic cats. And, and you know, for anyone who doesn't know what exactly that is, you know, if you go into your veterinary hof- office and you see, like, one or maybe five or ten cats wandering around aimlessly, <laughs> your veterinarian has clinic cats. And these are basically cats that have maybe been strays along the way. Maybe, you know, it's a hard luck story and we just don't want to euthanize the kitty uh, for whatever reason. Um, and they become a clinic cat. So, you know, they do their job. They greet people. Um, and, you know, it's all great. You know, the cat has a great life, lots of attention, all the food, all the veterinary care you can ask for. Right. Sure. So what's wrong with it? I'll tell you what. For me, these animals are going nose to nose with every animal that's coming through the door. Uh-huh. And so many diseases can be passed in a respiratory or direct contact means. So that's my first big thing. And if you kind of equate that to humans, it's like, you know, you go into Walmart and you say hi to that guy at the front door and we say hi. We don't hug. We don't kiss him. And and if we did, we might be passing a lot of different germs that way. (laughs) 
So, and it's more than that. Um, sanitation, cleanliness for me, you know, when cats are running around, I'm pretty confident in many of those situations, they're not the best about hitting that litter pan all the time. There's a lot of cat and animal smell. So, you know, you could be sitting in that waiting room and sitting in a chair that that cat just peed in the night before. Ooh, so, ooh. ew. <laughs> That's uh, what I say. Okay. So, so no, you, you won't find any clinic cats wandering my office. Um, I love them. I love cats. It's not that I hate them. Um, but really, it's just a matter of, for me, all those other examples aside, it's, it's about the quality of my kitty patient's visit. And I just feel that when a cat is staring down the nose of a cat waiting in that waiting room, that, that's unsettling. You know, I, I just think it's it adds to their nervousness, and we know they're nervous enough coming in to see a veterinarian. So, um, you know, convinced I, me. You yeah, know what? I, I, I before twice. before this, I, I sort of uh, you know I like to see the little kitty yeah. there. It kind of was comforting. But now that I see the the hygienic reasons, the sanitation reasons, everything that you're talking about, you're concern is really with the animal's welfare and, and health and care and all of your patient's care. And I understand. I'm going to change my mind. You've actually changed my Aww. mind. Yeah. Well, you know, and I'm going to have like all my veterinary friends saying, what the heck are you doing on the radio? You know, we have clinic cats. You're getting me in trouble. But you know what? It's, it's definitely a point of view. And it's all for me about keeping my cat patients comfortable. And I must admit, I'm a neat freak and I want to keep my clinic clean. So... <laughs> There you go. Very good. If you want to talk to the what I consider the best veterinarian in America, Dr. Debbie is here at one 405 8405 Of course, dog father Joey Villani from Animal Planet, Dogs 101, and Groomer has it's here with us. Call us. Uh, we have Chuck on the phone. Hey, Chuck, how are you? Okay. What's going on with your animals? Okay. I got a, a dog that's six years old, half red bone hound and half pit bull mastiff. And uh, he's got a discharge from his penis. Uh, a bright yellow discharge. It gets all over everything. It's hard to clean up. I don't know if it's normal or do I need to take it to a vet? Give me an idea what's going on, maybe? Sure. Now, um, you mentioned he's about six years of age. Is he neutered? No, he's not. Okay. Because um, when we're talking yellow stuff coming out of the penis in dogs, um, some degree of smegma is always normal in small amounts. And we're going to see more of that if a dog is not neutered. So this is kind of one of those kind of kind of unsavory reasons why we might say let's go ahead and neuter because we know that we can decrease that amount um, in an unneutered from an unneutered dog to a neutered dog um, now the question is is it an infection it's hard to say but um, because we know an intact male dog is going to have a certain degree of this stuff it's just kind of an icky goo that kind of is going to always be around um, you can't get rid of it unless we neuter them now, if it is an infection, I might expect to see some other signs going on. Maybe he's licking himself excessively, urinating a lot, um, having difficulty holding his urine. Those might be signs we have an infection, and, and a good trip to the vet might help to rule that possibility out. Um, but otherwise, I can tell you when I had an intact male dog everywhere he went, you'd see like these little glowing green spots that kind of landed on all the furniture in the house and on the carpets. Um, so that may just be a, a, a matter of fact for and having an, a neutered boy there. 
Hi, it's Alan Cable. We got a call on Animal Radio about what to do if your dog jumps on you. That's a common problem. Let's talk about it. First of all, let's review. Your dog learns mostly everything from watching you. Your body language, your behavior. Let's say your dog does something wrong and you're upset about it. A lot of people think, oh, look at him. He knows what he did. He looks guilty. Unless you catch your dog doing something you don't like right then and there and make a correction or ignore him, he has no idea what you're upset about. He just looks guilty because you're upset and your body language is telling him that. He doesn't understand what you're saying, but he does recognize the tone of your voice is not being happy and your body language and movements tells him the same thing, so he looks guilty. Again, unless you catch him red-handed, he just knows you're not happy and that's why he looks like that. He doesn't actually know what he did wrong. Now, dogs jumping on people is a very common thing. Some people don't mind it and some people don't like it. And that can cause problems and misunderstandings for a dog. It has to be either one way or the other. He can't jump on some people and not on others. They simply don't understand that. It's too complicated. So if you don't want your dog to jump on you, he can't jump on anybody and you're going to have to tell people, no, 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 I don't want him to jump on you. It's okay, I don't mind. No, 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 no. He's not allowed to jump on people. Some folks will come along and prod the dog to jump on them. Come on, boy. Up, up, up. Well, you've got to put a stop to that and make sure he understands the rules. First thing to do is pay no attention to your dog for 15 minutes to a half hour when you come home and the same amount of time when you leave. Make it a non-event. This way your dog won't get excited when you come or go. When your dog does jump on you, immediately turn around, show him your back. Don't talk to him. Don't look at him. Don't pay any attention to him. And do it several times. Just don't give him any attention at all if he jumps on you. And wait for him to either mellow out and sit or walk away. Then tell him, good dog. Now, it's going to take time and patience. But your dog's going to learn that jumping up on people is just not okay. He's also going to learn that he gets attention from you when he's mellow and calm and not excited and anxious. So to review, if your dog's jumping on you, it just means he hasn't learned not to. How would you like to get a free smartphone? If you own a smartphone, listen to this incredible offer that's almost too good to be true. Right now, you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as $2 a day. Guaranteed for life. Plus, get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline now and we'll move your number from your existing service. Think of your savings. So don't wait. Switch your plan, save money, plus get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline hotline right now we guarantee you're gonna love our service if you don't like what we say you can hang up on us but you won't right now you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as two dollars a day guaranteed for life call the free smartphone hotline right now 800-475-3351 800-475-3351 that's 800-475-3351 you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. I think the one thing in common we all just realized here in the studio that we all have animal jobs now, but we didn't start off with animal jobs. We started off with pretty nope. regular jobs, didn't we? Just kind of morphed. Yeah. Well, I don't know, Joey. Thank goodness. No, I started, my first job was, was, was I was a I was nine years old. I was a groomer. Oh. I was an animal guy. Wow. So it's been animals for your whole life. What about you, Tammy? What were you when you first started? When I first got started, I was a DJ. A radio disc jockey. Uh-huh. And you, Hal? Uh-huh. Uh, same thing. We share actually a common background. We, we actually oh, yes. go way back. I guess for me, there was an epiphany that said, hey, I can do this for the animals. And I decided to start a radio show for the animals. Uh, Judy, you used to work in the law industry I as well. I was a as, legal assistant. Yeah. That's where I started. We have realized that it is a fast-growing industry. When we first started, it was about uh, between 45 and $50 billion a year. 
Now it is almost $60 billion a year. The pet sector is one of the biggest industries right now. It is growing phenomenally, and different people are figuring out how they can get their part of the pie. Even you know the strangest companies you'll see, like the car businesses, they all want your business because <laughs> their car is pet-friendly mm-hmm. or their hotel is mm-hmm. pet-friendly. The animals that were in the backyard 20 years ago are now in the house, part of the family, and we're spending our money on them. And because you it's such a... You know why I think this has happened? Why? I'll tell you why I think this has happened. Please. Because I think, finally, we're starting to realize that animals are more than just a pet. Absolutely. They are a very valuable part of our, our, our lives, and they can help us in so many ways, which makes me so happy. Well, they used to be ratters. They used to, to help right? get the... These days, they're more psychological help for us. They, mm-hmm. they calm us. Mm-hmm. They make us feel at peace with ourselves you know yes when when they see a rat they they um that you look at your other way you say you know what that, that, that calms me down <laughs> anyway uh the reason i bring this up the next guest that we're having on she has realized that there's a lot of people that want to get into the pet industry and there's a lot of pet jobs and she wants to connect the two and she's created a website and a, a company to do so jamie migdahl is joining us hi jamie how are you doing I'm great. Thanks for having me. Tell us about Fetch Find. Well, you you nailed it, actually. You did a really great job with the intro. Um, Fetch Find is literally a website that allows people to connect, people looking for jobs in the pet industry in any in any fashion, retail, dog walking, grooming, volunteerism, uh, hooking them up with and connecting them with those businesses looking for great staff and great volunteers. It's akin to a you know, career builder for the, for the pet industry. How'd the idea come to you? <laughs> this is my fourth pet business. Oh, wow. Um, I started in 94 with a dog walking company and grew that to a national franchise size. Sold that, went back to school, and became a dog trainer and had a really nice, um, robust dog training company and uh, 11 locations and about 25 trainers. <clears throat> and I saw the need there. You know, what was happening... After I would teach classes, people would come up to me, lawyers, doctors, journalists, marketers, stay-at-home moms would come up to me and say, you know, how do I get to do what you're doing? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I don't don't know. Uh, I've been doing this for so long, I don't even know how I got here because there is no, like, clear path and there's there's a trail of breadcrumbs. So at that point, I created a a school. It's called Canine Link, um, and it was a a curriculum. It is still a curriculum. It's a school that we help people through a, through an educational platform learn about becoming animal professionals. And about a year and a half ago, I realized that there was this question that kept coming up from local businesses calling our phone all day long. Hey, do you guys have any graduates that we can hire? Wow. So, you know, when you keep hearing the same problem, then you realize that there's probably an industry opportunity there. So we spent the last year and a half building a website and a business and a and that's fetchfind.com. Yep. Fetchfind.com. Oh, so what will I find at Fetchfind? Will I find job opportunities, or do I post my resume hoping that someone will contact me? Both. Yeah, it's everything. It's a great, great question. Um, you can, as an employer, so as an employer, uh, you can post your job opportunities, so you're opening with all the details, you know, where you're located and what the compensation is and the hours and all those good things. And if you are someone looking for a job, you can certainly create your user profile, your candidate profile, and people and employers can then look through our database and see if there's someone that matches what they're looking for. Or you can come on and look through all the jobs and apply right there on the website. Okay, here's a tough one for you. (laughs) Okay. Let's say we're we're sitting in our uh, cubicle right now, and uh, we hate our job. It's uh, CPA. We 
mom wanted us to be a C- an accountant, okay? And frankly, we never wanted to be, but we hate the job. We'd love to get into the animal business. Is my only option pet sitting and dog walking? What are the yeah. jobs that are out there? That is such a great question. Um, name it. I mean, you know, we're, we're focusing, Pet Fetch Fine for our, for our kind of go-to-market launch, we're really focusing on the pet services component of the business. So uh, anything, when I say pet services, I talk about it kind of being anything in the one-to-one range. Uh-huh. So any service that you are literally um, touching an animal. And that could be anything from being in a Petco or PetSmart environment all the way down to being a one-person, two-person com- you know, two com- two dog walking company. So when we talk about jobs, when the pet services in the pet pet services sphere, we're talking about groomers and daycare, uh, daycare staff, administration, management. Um, You can talk dog trainers. I mean, it goes on and on. There's just so many different roles within the pet services because it's not just necessarily taking care of pets. These are businesses that have all different needs. There's marketing needs and sales needs and management needs and administrative needs. So you can take your skill sets. If you're a CPA, that doesn't mean that you can't continue to use those skills but working in an animal business. I think one of the things that Judy was surprised, I'm surprised at too, is that she is able to make a few dollars, almost a comparable salary to what she makes here at Animal Radio Dog Walking. Yeah, I do it part-time. What uh, What is the income potential for that? Um, it depends. You know, it really depends on, obviously, geographic region. Um, but I know a lot of dog walkers that they're making, you know, $25,000, $30,000 a year and then being able to go and do their art or their music or go to school in the evening. There's a lot of food for thought there. I encourage listeners to check out FetchFind.com. FetchFind.com. And of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. Have yourself a great week. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. See ya. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.